0: What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores, the games every day, just the Lakers. You're kidding.
3: That is really a compliment.
0: I
1: was pleased to see you smile at the top of show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore.
2: Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined as always by Darius and Mike. And last night, an especially shorthanded Lakers team competed, but fell eventually to Miami in a game where KCP looked great. We got to see the first full game from Andre Drummond. Uh, We forced a lot of turnovers, but we turned the ball over a ton. We're going to get to all of that. Next week, all of that and more. We're going to, a lot of these things are recurring themes that we need to talk about, especially the turnovers, the defense, and all that. But today, we're going to zoom out a little bit and take a look at the Western Conference playoff picture. Uh, When LeBron went down with his ankle injury, we knew that the Lakers would drop in the standings, but we weren't sure how far they were going to drop. We've gone four and six in the 10 games since then, but uh, and, and now we have a, a better idea of where the Lakers might land. So Mike, please help us get a better idea of what the the landscape we're looking at now out West as those possibilities have begun to narrow
3: guys. You know how players and coaches are always asked about standings and they kind of say, uh, I'm not really worried about it. I'm just going to control what I can control. Here's what's mm-hmm. in front of me. This is what, I, well, I am the opposite. I love looking at the standings. I the standings. <laughs> The standings page, I may go to more than anything else. And it's just a nice little baseline. And uh, here, actually, Darius, is there, a, is there a favorite column for you? Like, are you going win-loss? Are you going games back? Are you going last 10, streak, uh, home r- road, OT? Do, like, is there is there a favorite column for you in the standings, bro? Oh, man. Favorite
1: one is probably games back. And then I also look at the loss. Correct. And, yeah. ding, ding, and ding. then I also look at the loss column a fair amount because the loss column in a typical season, this season's a little bit off, right? Because the differences in number of games played can be tricky. When you look at the loss column in the early part of the season, it's just sort of just like, it's more big picture stuff around um, like how have they been playing last five, last 10, right? But as we get into this stage of the season, it's games back and Number in the loss column, like what do the losses look like? Because you have to catch a team, right? And where are we? So talk to me more though, about like the whole standings picture.
3: I we're Look, we're, we're both, a, we're both a long time standings viewers. Cause I'm right there with you. I'm games back. I'm lost column. And I'm last 10. Those are, those are probably my three favorites. Pete.
2: I like last 10. Yeah. I like last okay, 10. Okay. It tells you how a team is playing now. I like road record as well. If I want a big picture overview Ooh. of how good is this team? Actually, if you can yeah. win on the road, you're probably one of the top teams in the league.
3: Yeah. So that's last year was fun in that sense, because the Lakers barely lost oh, yes. ever on yeah. the road. Okay. So in here, at, now that we've established how obsessed we are with the standings, when LeBron went out, it was the game. It was, okay, well, that probably takes out the chance for the top seed, which I do think was still in play while LeBron was healthy, because I thought oh, Utah much. was Utah was going to fall back some. And, and this was more of a, if the Lakers want it, uh, and they clearly don't need it, but just if they want it, you may as well, right? And, and in fact, LeBron even said it. It's so funny. He's like, look, it's not my top priority. But if we're within striking distance of that, you you may as well, right? You may as well give yourself the opportunity to do so. Okay, so that slipped. In the meantime, Phoenix has continued to play really well. So they've they've sort of, in a loss column s- section of this, Darius, they have separated themselves, at least to an extent, along with Utah. Now, with about 20 games, three games in the loss column is – it's not massive, but it's significant. It's it's something that is significant. And so that's how many games back the Clippers and the Nuggets are. The Lakers are now five games back of Phoenix. We don't know when LeBron is going to return. Kuzma just went out. We don't know how long that's going to be with the cap strain. AD, I think we're expecting back sooner than later, but still he's not going to be coming in and playing 35 minutes and, and doing uh, and, and dominating right away, right? They're going to want to ease him in. So it's going to, I don't think you can quite look at the Lakers as as a chance to get up into those top two certainly and it's even Mm -hmm. going to be tricky to get to that top three four with the way that the clippers and nuggets are both playing both of those teams have won eight of their 10 games so so now i think we've kind of already established that it's going to be tricky for the lakers to get into the top four so what that means then is you start at least from my perspective uh darius and, and i'll kind of kick to you we can go back and forth i'm already matchup thinking and i'm already in in the complicating factor though is that old playing thing that we never used to have to think about. And as, as everybody who listens to this podcast, because you are an NBA uh, basically expert slash nerd like us, if you're listening to this podcast, you know, that they, this, the whole seven, eight play-in thing, it sounds to me a little bit worse than it is. I think everyone's, everyone's talking about the seven seed, like, man, you got to do anything you can to avoid. Yeah. An, and I'm, I'm kind of thinking LeBron James one game, what happens in a game like that is, is that the LeBron James team wins by 30. I, that's just, that's my, and it, Pete, go ahead. Cause I, I, maybe I, I'm, I'm unpopular here.
2: No, no, you're, you're absolutely right. It's also, if you're the seventh or eighth seed, it's not just one game. That's the biggest misconception about this is the way it works is the seventh seed plays the eighth seed. Whoever wins that game is in the playoffs as the seventh seed, whoever loses that game plays whoever wins the game between the ninth seed and the 10th seed. And then whoever wins that matchup gets the eighth seed. So if we are in the top eight, we would have to lose two games in order to not make the playoffs. And I agree, we win that first game by 30, almost certainly by uh, against those caliber teams. We're damn sure not losing two games in that, right? So I'm not as scared of the play-in as before. I also don't think we're going to get there, but please continue.
3: Yeah, and, I, and I'm with you. And we'll kinda, we'll talk all the way through that because we got to talk about Portland and Dallas too. And these are going to be the main two teams the Lakers are probably going to be competing with to stay into that top, uh, that sort of that five, six spot where you're avoiding the playing game. But, Darius, one more thought on the playing game. Here's kind of the flip side to it. And part of this depends on who your first-round opponent's going to be. But you certainly don't want to have to play like Portland did last year. You don't want to have to play the game and and then go into the first-round series against the team that's waiting for you that's a little bit more rested and therefore may have a mental edge. Now, again, different teams, like, I I don't think the Lakers will be as victim to this, but that is part of the reason that you want to avoid that game is just the the mere fact of having to go – a full 48. And, and so I suppose I could flip side my own flip side by saying, maybe that's a nice tune up and it gets you ready. But where, how do you feel about the efficacy of, of that spot? Even if we're assuming, let's say the Lakers are, we think they're going to be heavily favored and win that seven, eight game. If they were to fall to the seventh seed, how much does that impact the first round series for you? I don't know if it impacts it much,
1: honestly, like before you had said something about like matchups, I think matter the lakers are i don't know if you guys caught jared dudley on um the recent podcast that he did for for spectrum i only caught the clips i i, I haven't uh-huh. listened to the whole thing yet and you know dudley's sort of uh he has he is full of bravado jared dudley i love <laughs> i love jd right because because he's gonna shoot straight with you but he's also going to you know give a little bit extra sauce When he's describing things and and it's why he's going to be great one day, whether it's on TV or whether he's on a coaching staff or in a front front office, that sort of gregariousness is going to serve him well, I think. But Dudley's like, look, man, ain't no one going to want to play us. Right. Everyone, everyone's about to be back. No one's going to want to play us. And so when you talk about matchups, Mike, like the Lakers are one of the maybe two or three teams in the entire West who can feel good about matching up with any type of team that they're going to play. Um, I think Denver is another one of those teams that I think feels pretty good about how, how they can match up with almost any other team in the conference, especially after the Gordon edition. Surprisingly enough, I might not include the Clippers in that matchup. They've got some tricky things to figure out for them, Phoenix, to me, is an interesting team there. But the Lakers are just going to be like, oh, okay, well, we're the eighth seed and we have to play the Jazz. Okay, that's fine by us. Oh, we're the seventh seed. We have to play the Suns. Oh, okay, that's fine by me. And go on down the standings and they're probably going to feel pretty comfortable about any matchups that that they have. and And, and so when you talk about the play in and and like the time off versus ramp up thing, like, I think it's six of one half, like half a dozen of the other, right? Like I'm sure LeBron would feel perfectly great about, Hey man, give me another week. And Frank Vogel too. Like give me another week to prepare for a specific opponent. We're the sixth seed. We're going to play the third seed. Give me a week. And we're going to prepare for that specific team up and down. It doesn't matter if they're a Denver or a Phoenix, right? That said, the idea of, yeah, we haven't had a lot of ramp up time. Let's get the blood flowing a little bit and let's start to to feel that intensity a little bit more. I could see them thinking that way as well. Do you think that... The timing of LeBron's return to me is going to be the most interesting thing here for me because you see the current Lakers team right now ramping up in their own way, right? They're playing hard. They are defending their asses off, right? And and the thing that's missing is, is sort of that, that offensive um, idea, that organization that LeBron and AD and the proper slotting of everyone else will give you. But there is a certain amount of, hey, this train is already rolling and LeBron and AD to a certain extent are going to have to, they're on the freeway on ramp, right? So they're seeing the car that they're going to have to catch
2: right there and they're merging. I'm so fascinated by this dynamic with LeBron, especially because he said, uh, as we were coming out of the all-star break. I see the first part of the season as first, second, and third gear. Then the second part as fourth, fifth, and sixth. And then the playoffs are are that seventh gear. Well, he was ramping up into fourth gear as we came out of the All-Star break. And then he's been in park, and he will be in park for the four to six weeks, however long it takes for him to get back. How long does it take for him to get from park to seventh gear? He's not going to have a long time to have that ramp up. Right. And so that's something that the only other time that's happened in his career was his first year with the Lakers, right, where he ended up missing the playoffs and we didn't see him have to do that. So, Mike, for a guy like LeBron, who has really every day throughout the calendar year scheduled and regimented in a and and is very purposeful with how he uses his time, how he rests his body and how he builds toward Culminating in the playoffs and and really being the best version of himself, this is an entirely different equation that I think uh, that I'm super curious to see how he does that because it's different than he's had to do in the past.
3: You hit on the most important thing. Okay, the most important thing for the Lakers is not what seed they get or where they end up in the standings or who their first round opponent is or if they have the playing game or not. It's about what level LeBron and, and AD can get to and how the respective talent around them can fit in so that's a fact but in the absence of knowing that for sure and we can guess and we can be optimistic about sure. the run, that's that's why it's kind of fun to dig into the standing so here so allow me if, if i can what i want to do is slot in darius parlance the west as to where we think these teams are going to end up and then we can kind of we can back data our way into into how the lakers might fit into that so like the first part let's start at the top so Utah and Phoenix, I mentioned before, there is some separation. I think Utah, with a five-game separation, there's no way they drop to three. Okay, they're, they're going to be one mm. or two. Phoenix could catch them. If if Denver continues this insane run that they're on, uh, again, I think five games is too much. But there's an outside chance. But regardless, then they would pass Phoenix, I think. So we're kind of plugging Utah in to that one-two range where they're going to get either the seven or the eight. Agreed? Yes. Okay, do we yes. feel how confident do we feel that Phoenix can can hold off the Clippers and the Nuggets? And let me introduce this into it. I am not a big strength of schedule guy. In general, I think it's a it's first of all, it's just simple math. The, the, the way the strength of schedule thing is they look at the schedule. Uh, they look at your remaining opponents and they total up the win percentage. And then you know, slot accordingly. I keep using slot because I'm looking at Darius and it makes me want to say the word. So Houston, San Antonio, Portland, Lakers. They have the four hardest schedules, according to this. Four easiest, Utah, Clippers, Dallas. So I guess you can keep that in mind a little bit. But what I'll say is, in this year, especially in the NBA, you don't know what night a team's resting players. You don't know what to what night a team isn't going to give its best. It's just, it's even less important than it usually is. So I'm not really intimidated by the Lakers' schedule on paper, being harder and and also the margins here aren't that much different it's like it at the four it's 53 53 percent and 14 is 50 percent. so that's a difference of what like playing utah once as opposed to cleveland so anyway right. that's right. that's my little spiel on that i wouldn't worry so much when teams like well utah does have the easiest remaining schedule okay do so back then to the to the phoenix question do how confident and starting with you, Darius? Do are you that Phoenix stays in that one to two spot, and therefore uh, they they will get one of the two playing teams?
1: On a scale of one to ten, I would probably say like six and a half or seven.
2: I'm a little more confident. I'd say seven and a half to eight, somewhere in there. I think that Phoenix stays at the number two seed.
1: Yeah, like I just feel like. This is where leadership, I think, matters. And so on a relatively inexperienced roster, I think that Chris Paul is that steadying hand. And I view Paul a little bit like I view LeBron, right, which is just one of the better stewards of the ship, right, that you're going to find in the league and and having a feel of how hard to push. And Chris Paul, I think, leans in the more I'm going to push hard more often realm. But I think that's going to serve his team well in terms of keeping them focused and on the right track mentally. And Phoenix, I think, has a lot to play for within this context as a team who has not been in the playoffs for, what, like a decade? And really want to solidify themselves as one of the better teams. And I think you build confidence that
3: way through like fighting for seeding my instinct, just from watching both these teams play a lot and I, by both these teams I'm talking about Phoenix and Denver is that Denver is clearly better uh, I think they are they are a, a much okay much might be a little strong, but I I would pick them to be Phoenix in a series probably nine times out of ten and I agree with that so like they're they are a different and better team with Gordon he kind of fits exactly what they needed in terms of some additional athletic help for Jokic rotating over from the weak side. It also has allowed Michael Porter Jr. to do a, he's had a little bit of like a Kyle Kuzma mini growth spurt this year in terms of from just a guy that wants to fill it up to now he's playing a little bit more defense. Now he's getting up and down in transition. Now he's just letting it fly from the perimeter. So you have, you have basically replaced like Gary Harris and Paul Millsap or Jeremy Grant with two big, huge, long athletes. Uh, To go around, Jokic Murray's playing better, and they also have Will Barton back. So I, I think it's a better Denver team. And when I now this is not this is not so much strength of schedule, but just looking at the respective schedules for Denver and for Phoenix. Denver's schedule is really easy all the way up until the point of when they get to May. Like they don't have they don't have the most difficult road game they have is at Portland, and up for the entire rest of of April. And the other and in fact the only other ones it's at Golden State twice at Houston once and that's it. So, once they get to May though, this is when things are going to get interesting cuz I think they're going to be at least close enough where Denver they go at Clippers at Lakers May 1st and May 3rd. Is the run back by May 3rd. Do the Lakers say, "Okay, let's here's here's Denver. I know that you guys have been feeling great lately, but you still got to go through us." Is that a statement type game for them? Is that a statement type game for the Clippers? And then they go at Utah on the seventh with the Knicks mixed in, in the middle. So, and by the way, then Brooklyn at home. So there, when they hit that first part of May, that's when we're really going to know, I think. And that's when to kind of bring the Lakers back into this Pete, that's when you can start to think, okay, Hmm. What difference is there between the six and the seven? Well, how much would you rather play Phoenix than Denver? Is it worth having to play a play in game so that you get Phoenix in round one and you get den and you don't have to play Denver and I'm going to answer my own question for you. So you can, you can kind of respond back to it. I think that if you're the Lakers, you can't get too wrapped up into that. And, and like you guys worry about what your seed is. We're going to play, like, we're going to play hard. We're going to try to win games and we're going to fall where we may and good luck to you. And if you want to try to avoid us. So, so like, I don't think this should, you know, the Lakers should be taking a game right to try to get to the six or the seven. But I I just, I wonder I do think that Phoenix and Never are going to be having some of those internal conversations.
2: Oh, yeah, very much so. I So Denver, I agree with your assessment of Denver, especially post Aaron Gordon trade, in that I think they're clearly the second best team in the West behind the Lakers in a, a seven game series. And that said, no, we absolutely do not avoid or do any maneuvering. Our job is to is to make this the best version of the Lakers that they can possibly be because as close as we get the closer we get to that the further everyone else is away we are a tier above everybody else in the west when we're right I I genuinely believe that that said I think that the most likely if the Lakers are going to lose a series Denver playing us in the first round is the best formula for that
0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
2: I still think we win that series, but it's the least amount of time that we have to get on the same page, establish that continuity. I think Denver is our toughest matchup out west and I think they're the second best team out west that has a bit of familiarity with us so
3: I'd put the Clippers close to that Pete would you
2: I would I have I'm I'm curious if the Clippers can hang with our athleticism let's actually take a quick break and when we come back I think one of the things that this gets is getting narrowed down to is the likelihood of playing either Denver or the Clippers in the first round which I would argue are the two biggest threats to the Lakers crown out west so let's take a break when we come back we'll keep uh, pondering that question Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions, and now they want to help even more. With a Credit Karma money spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. When you use your Credit Karma money debit card, you can win daily instant karma purchase reimbursements on items up to $5,000. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot, and your instant karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Credit Karma Money has already given away over $3 million in instant karma to 50,000 Credit Karma members and counting. Open your FDIC-insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll be automatically entered to win $1 million. Credit Karma Money. Progress starts here. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to open your free account and start winning Instant Karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash winmoney to sign up for free and start winning Instant Karma. That's creditkarma.com backslash winmoney. Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MBB Bank Incorporated, member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. The Clippers are a team I've had my eye on throughout the season, and I've gone back and forth between they don't have enough athleticism and they don't put enough pressure on the rim to be a real threat to, oh, they're really good on the wing. They've got a guy who's been a number one on title teams who is looking more and more athletic. I don't know if you saw him yam on DeAndre Ayton yesterday. Uh, Justin Russo, who covers the Clippers, tweeted out that Kawhi has like 25 dunks since the all-star break in like 14 games or so, which is a significant ramp up in terms. And so their ability to put pressure on the rim being such a question mark, the one caveat to that is like, well, Kawhi knows what time of season that Kawhi has got that first, second and third gear and knows how to ramp up too. can Kawhi get back to that type of guy who can collapse a defense and he's showing more and more of that. So, Darius, how do you see the Clippers in the overall context of the West and and how they match up with the Lakers?
1: I mean, they're a threat, man. And, And, like, look, we've been talking about the Clippers all season. Like, and I've been saying this on this pod, at least. Go back and check the tape, right? Like, it's fun to make pandemic P jokes and and sort of like, Hey, like let's replay the clip of the side of the backboard shot and and make little three, one jokes against Denver. Whatever. Like that's fun. Like it's, it's what you do like on the internet. Right. But when I'm with Pete in the film room, right. I see, I see a team that shoots the ball really well. I see a super wing in Kawhi Leonard and I see a guy in Paul George who crack all the jokes you want is still a super talented player who when he gets going and it's not a matter of if he gets going at some point he's going to get going in 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 any given game it's it's a distinct possibility um and then the Lakers a diminished form of the Lakers just saw this clippers team and it was sort of just like hey you know like look at marcus morris like look at how big zubots is like they are a tricky team because they have pieces that really can fit together in in a way that that gives you problems i'd probably put them right there with denver as a legit threat even if i think that denver's probably a bit more talented overall and with Jokic, it has a player comparable in some ways to Kawhi, at least in terms of impact on the game. Have you mentioned
3: playoff Rondo yet? No, I have not mentioned playoff Rondo. Did he he looked good last night. It, it almost kind of, it's like I he's, he's changed my thoughts a little bit on the Clippers because they just, they really didn't have that organizer, that uniter, that kind of toughness, the guy who's going to talk trash to the other opponent, but not in a Pat Beverly way, like in a more controlled way, you know, in a sort of like what yeah. he was doing to Phoenix last night. And so I, I do think he changes their equation. The a little Clippers bit,
1: too, Mike, it's like, look, man, like they, to me, they've been a team that sort of been like laying in the weeds a little bit this season. Pete, you talked about the idea of like, Oh, they haven't been threatening the rim. Like I get that. They're more of a jump shooting team. I get that. Right. But, Paul George can get to the basket. Kawhi Leonard can get to the basket. When you talk about Rajon Rondo, I thought one of his biggest places of impact for the Lakers last year was not all the organization or even the, hey, I can shoot 40% on spot-up threes because no one is guarding me. It was all those drives to the basket. That were creating shot opportunities for himself and for teammates off of kickouts and even off of offensive rebounding chances, and Rondo's another piece there, Mike, where it's just like when he's on his game, he is he can still be sort of a downhill player and has enough craft to to be a shot creator there still and and, and so their defense has been eh all season, but George. Kawhi, Zubots as sort of an anchor, like in the middle. They're a team that should concern across the West.
3: And their defense is better since they made the move to trade Lou Williams to Atlanta and they started playing Terrence Mann more. Uh, that means they're bigger in the perimeter on the wing. And then since they started Evita Zubats over Serge Ibaka, which I think will stick. And that the Lakers do have the solution to any... I put him in the same class as a Gobert where that's where the AD at the five lineup almost forces Zoo off the floor. And then the Clippers are just smaller. And then it's, okay, you're, you're trying to protect the rim against AD and LeBron with Marcus Morris and Kawhi and Paul George rotating over. And I, I suppose you could play Ibaka some in those settings, but I even in the Lakers matchup with the Clippers in the season opener, LeBron and AD were both targeting Ibaka and going right by. Abaka will get hunted yeah. in isolation
1: and screen and rolls. Like this is no shade against him, but he's been hunted since even the Warriors hunted him in the 2018 Finals or whatever it was, 2019 Finals. Steph, Steph was targeting him pretty much every yeah. possession. Like I'm going to go at you and, and make you defend out out on the perimeter, and that's what you do to a guy like like Ibaka at this stage of his career.
3: And and so Pete, that's where I want to, I want to get to Portland and Dallas in a second here, but with just to stay in the Clippers and I'll put the nuggets and probably why the three of us would favor the Lakers here is that when you ultimately get to their best lineup and let's say it's probably Rondo, Paul George, Kawhi, Marcus Morris. And I guess you could go with any, any number of, of, uh, it's probably going to be another wing. Who do you, who do you think's the fifth there?
2: I think it's got to be Zuri Baca. I agree that uh, AD at the five is probably the the way to go about beating them. And if that's the case, like I think you got to go with the Baca. I think they're just too small at that point to not have one Batum? of those guys on the floor. Not Batum or, Batum or Beverly even? But how are you going to physically Aaron's handle – who handles – on? And, and that is ultimately why I think – the Clippers are a better matchup for the Lakers than Denver is, is that they don't have the requisite athletes. I think that one thing that we've seen with the Clippers throughout the season is they, have, they struggle down the stretch of games in a season where, and this isn't unusual for any regular season, but for most of the game, for the first 40, 42, 44 minutes of the game, you know teams are going a certain degree of intensity, but then in that last bit, even in the regular season, if it's close, teams are gonna try to win that game and close it out. And the intensity level ramps up at the end. And the Clippers have struggled in that. And I would argue that it's because we saw this, I've been so excited. There've been a few like really good national TV games for the first time really this season. And that Denver Clippers game, I don't know if you guys caught that, but watching them, the athleticism differential was really noticeable. And the Clippers have a ton of skill, a ton of old man game, uh, but there's gotta be a certain level of that athlete can hang with this athlete. And we were just talking about this in the last pod that the Lakers are kind of built around this concept that if, if you've got that lineup that you're talking about of, you know, Kawhi PG uh I think you said Beverly and Morris whether it's Batum or Ibaka or Zoo or whomever as that Rondo, guy yeah. Rondo just in terms of levels of, of athleticism level of athlete like they're going to have a hard time hanging with us on that end even though they are a wonderful jump shooting team they're really good on their wing defense they've got a n- clear number one type of guy I just think the athletes they're going to stro- struggle with that.
1: I think back to last year's matchup in that weekend series where the Lakers played the Clippers and played the Bucks. And one of the signature moments of that game was LeBron basically just ripping through on Marcus Morris okay. and getting to the basket and there being no rim protection there, right? And that's why AD at the five is so valuable because he spaces to the corner. Right. And then LeBron will run pick and roll. He will pull out whatever defender he wants to target and make you play two-man game in that instance. Right. And the Clippers, they switch a lot. And one of the ideas about switching is you gotta know when to switch. And you gotta know when, nah, man, it ain't the time. Like, it ain't the time to switch right now. We got to hedge. We got to do this. We got to do that. We got to, like, contain this, and you got to get back, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George. You can't just give up the switch to Luke Kennard or even a Marcus Morris or a Rondo or any of these other guys because those are the guys who LeBron will hunt whoever is the advantageous matchup for whatever. And then he will find a solution to that, whether it's a drive or whether it's a jumper or whether it's all right, now we're going to go into something else and I'm going to
3: drive and kick. And and it's why, it's why those Cavs warriors finals were so exciting up until the point where KD entered and kind of changed the equation because LeBron can also morph into the rim protector, which, which we just kind of forget about because AD's out there too. But if if there's a just trust, if there's a possession where the other team has to score in the final couple minutes, LeBron will get to the rim on the backside. He just will, and he will he will either eat a shot up or he will make you kick it out. He did it against Steph and Clay, possession after possession after possession in the finals there. And then Draymond did the same thing for the Warriors, where Draymond's going to find a way to come over and be that back line, and he will block your shot, um, and or he will make you kick it out. And that's that's the player that the Nuggets. I don't think they had. I do think that there's a little bit of that in Aaron Gordon, which is interesting um, to cover up for Jokic some, but I still think the Lakers can attack it. Like Aaron Gordon, as good as he is, he's not going to keep LeBron or AD off the rim. And so that that to me is, again, that's the ultimate difference. Kawhi, as good as he is and could be in that spot, he's not going to keep LeBron or AD off the rim. And and that's kind of where I will always rest my case as, as it were. Pete,
1: hey, do you have anything else to say on the Clippers? Uh, no i think we'll have plenty more to talk about
2: in with them
1: denver is the interesting team to me because the idea has always been ad at the five right he will then sort of play Jokic to a standstill probably offensively but then he A.D. has the defense in order to, to, to sort of not only play with Jokic, but then be an impact defender on other places on the floor. The interesting thing to me, though, is that when the Lakers have a big lineup out there, right, whether it's Gasol and A.D.'s at the four or whether it's Drummond and A.D. is at the four. Michael Porter Jr. then becomes the, an interesting sort of pivot point for Denver's defense. Because he either has to guard LeBron James or he has to guard Anthony Davis, right? Or he has to guard Andre Drummond, right? And so do you guys envision the Lakers playing bigger against the Nuggets more often, similar to what they did with Dwight, right, in order to occupy Jokic with a bigger dude? and then force one of their combo forwards to guard AD. Do you think that's the better way for the Lakers to go? We are a ways out and, and we're projecting here, but it's an interesting sort of cat and mouse chess game that, that I see playing out in, in a Denver matchup.
2: Yes, I definitely think we're going to play bigger. Uh, And I think Andre Drummond is going to be a significant figure in a series like that. And I think that's a Drummond-Mark series and probably less Trez for exactly that reason. And because one of the things that was interesting from watching Drummond yesterday, and this plays into an overall idea, is Bam, Bam Adebayo, who's one of the better defensive fives in the league, he really struggled with Drummond's size and physicality he picks up a ton of fouls. You know who fouls a lot at the five spot? Is Nikola Jokic, especially guys that he can't handle their physicality and athleticism. That is a lot of the reason why Dwight, who's not a one-to-one analogy with Drummond at all, but in this respect, they're similar, of being difficult to handle physically around the rim Drummond draws a ton of fouls and he's just that presence. And so it's not just, can Jokic handle Drummond, right? It's I'm not saying Drummond can defend him terribly well on the other end of the floor, but when dealing around the rim with LeBron and AD, and Drummond, and if you need to go to a different look, if you need some more floor spacing, then Mark comes in, and he's got the physicality and can maybe defend Jokic better than Drummond can. I think that would be the case, but can also space the floor and make some decisions deci- decisions on the offensive end. I think that uh, it, that series very much portends toward us going bigger. Do you see it similarly, Mike?
3: Yeah, I do, and I also just I think we're going to have to consider that if this series is more likely going to be earlier, In the conference playoffs, then I I think that we're going to see less AD at the five earlier, probably, and more with him kind of flanked, you know, by by a big and I just I I think that part of that depends on when AD returns. And if he returns sooner than later, which we're all hoping for, then there will be more time for that to play out. But there just seems to be this this thing especially for AD and especially considering the way they filled out the roster that they want to be able to use him at the four um, a little bit more. So we'll see how that all evolves. Uh, I, unless you guys had any more thoughts on those matchups specifically, which we can of course keep going on. The last part of this I wanted to do was you have Portland and Dallas right now. They are just behind the Lakers in the loss column. Okay. So Portland's got one fewer loss. The Mavericks have two fewer losses. The extent to which it matters goes back to what to our bigger thing if we if you really think that utah and phoenix are going to stay one two that means you think that the clippers and denver are going to stay three four in some order and so it's almost already slotted in a way that we think projects except that the clippers and the nuggets we think are better teams than the jazz and the suns in terms of a playoff matchup they just happen to be switched so if you were so take yourself outside of the lakers and just just thinking about matchups i do think that you're better off being in the seventh spot in, ter- in, ma- in terms of matchups, even if you have to win that one game, because then you're you're most likely getting either Utah or Phoenix. So that's just, it's kind of circling back to the earlier point. And I know Pete, we've already kind of made it. You don't, you're, you're the Lakers. You don't really, you know, you don't intentionally try to do something, but there are going to be, I think there are four back-to-backs in May. You know, like there, those are the kind of things where you can say, let's get LeBron more minutes, period. Or let's get LeBron not playing on back-to-backs. And that might be the difference between the five seed and the seven seed. And so it's just going to be super interesting to me how all of that plays out and the extent to which it matters. So unless you guys think I'm missing something, but I don't think Dallas has enough to get up into that Denver Clippers range. I don't think Portland does either. So it's basically going to come down to how much do do the Lakers really want to fluctuate between getting to that, like trying to get the five versus the six, which doesn't really matter. Cause it's going to be Clippers or nuggets. So that that's my, that's my spiel there. It's just, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out.
1: Well, I'm also looking at this Mike from the standpoint of the Lakers still have some time to go before they're going to be a 100% roster, right? You, we, we, we open the pod this way, but Kuz could be day to day. He could be out a week or longer. Right. Um, A.D. could be back as early as like the middle of next week. But even if he is, is he on a minutes restriction? Does he look like himself yet? The answers to those questions are probably yes and no. So the idea of the Lakers may not control a lot of this in the short term anyway, right? Dallas had a pretty horrific loss to the Rockets earlier this week. To me, they are a bit of a Jekyll and Hyde team. but. Portland's gonna to continue to push, right? And, and to me, it's not out of the question that the Lakers are what, up two and a half in the standings on, on, sorry, on Dallas. On Dallas, and is it yep. one and a half on Portland? Yep. And only one game up in the loss column.
2: Yeah, no, they're just one game up on Portland right now. We're uh thirty-two and twenty, they're thirty and twenty.
3: And only three back. So Memphis is only three back in the loss column. They've won four in a row but they also have played many fewer games and they're about to have like back-to-backs on top of back-to-backs. So I think that's going to catch up with the Grizzlies. and, And so I do think that that eight spot is probably unlikely, but you know, because the Lakers are playing hard enough on defense, right. To beat the bad teams right now. Yeah. It's, it's
1: interesting to me. I think that it's not out of the question that both Portland and Dallas in the next two weeks could pass the Lakers. That's not sure. out. Of, that's not out of the question to me. the The thing that happens next is how well do all three of these teams close the season, and what are their priorities to close the season, right? And, and that's an unknown at this point. If I'm, if I'm Dallas, if if I'm a lesser team, right, I'm trying to stay out of the play in because I don't want to put myself in in the position where I'm playing a similarly talented team where on any given night let's say game doesn't close which seems <laughs> which seems like oh man like me even putting that out there means that he's going to close every single game right and he's just going to be ridiculous like he has for for most of this season but if I'm one of those teams, I don't know if I want to be in a situation where it's you and yourself you you find yourself in a winner go home situation. I think the Lakers can swim in those waters more comfortably, and the priorities for those other teams may be we want to stay out of the seventh seed specifically or the eighth seed specifically, and that may mean the battle for sixth for both of those teams becomes way more important to them than maybe it does even the lakers even though the lakers are also complicated by injuries if that makes sense
2: pete it does if i could put so all of that makes sense and is probably the more likely outcome if i could put my my final thoughts as more of an optimistic, take we're only two bet games back of the three seed and if ad is back within the week right with the addition of drummond the way that we're defending having ad in gives us some sort of offensive organization that i think it will at least bring us under 20 turnovers and because it's just like one guy to throw the ball to where that makes the defense go oh crap right and it's not just dennis over and over again and the turnover issues that come with that we are going to talk about this next week for sure on the pod but i think that one of the remarkable things about our defensive rating over this stretch is the turnovers. Because let's say, I don't know, Dennis gets blitzed on a high ball screen and gets deflect, the ball gets deflected trying to make a pass. And then the other team has a two-on-one fast break and they get a layup off of that. In terms of how it looks on paper, offensive, defensive, net rating, and all of that, those two points are scored against your defense. But in reality, those two points were scored against your offense. Yesterday, we gave up over 30 points off of turnovers, which means that when our defense is set, teams aren't scoring on us. If we're number one in defensive rating while turning the ball over freaking 20 times a game, that means our half-court defense is nuts. Anthony Davis helps that. Anthony Davis also gives you a guy where it's like, oh, they've got these big athletic guys on the perimeter trapping the ball handler or whatnot. Let's just throw the ball down into AD and try to get a bucket. That's a better point of attack for us in this game. So I'm not, again from this optimist standpoint this depends on how quickly ad comes back how how well he comes back how quickly lebron comes back same equation there but we're not so far away from the three seed at least to where i think that's completely out of the question i think it's unlikely but i think it's possible
3: yeah so the only repeat the real reason why i have I don't. I don't want to say dismiss the three C, but why I think it's going to be difficult is I just I think that Denver's ascendance just from a regular season like they've always been a good regular season team. That's fair. but now they are loving life, right? Gordon's in there, just wanting to do role player stuff, right? It's it's just they have a nice mix right now to keep stacking regular season wins. And you know, if the Lakers were fully healthy, do I think they could catch them for sure? But I would. I have a hard time seeing them slipping up too much. Um, but your but what you said is is warranted. The, my last point is just going to be schedule wise for the Lakers. They have a really interesting four game stretch coming up, back to back games against Utah, both at Staples Center, and then back to back games at Dallas. And that after that pod, we let's let's recircle up because I think we'll have a much better idea about really the whole layer of the Western conference. And, and that's how interesting this is going to be. But those, that's a tough four game stretch. I, it doesn't look like you're going to get LeBron for those. Hopefully you get AD for some of them. Hopefully Kuz is back, but uh, that's, that's where I've got circled right now. Darius.
1: my final point. Fans are coming back. Mm-hmm. The Lakers were recently in Florida. There's some fans of Florida, right? They're going to be in Brooklyn. I was watching a Brooklyn game the other day. There were some fans in Brooklyn. I saw KD's mob right in the front row and some people cheering them on. The Lakers are going to have some fans next week. I don't know how many, right? Um, I know up here in the Bay Area, the Warriors announced that they're going to have up to 35% capacity at right, which in a 17,000 person arena or whatever, 18,000, that's, that's not a huge number, but you're going to hear some Warriors chants and... Guys are going to respond to that. Mike, you've been on this all season. You've been on this all season just about like the cavernous nature of Staples center and the lack of life and the lack of energy that a team like the Lakers specifically can feed off of. And look, even the other game against the heat. And I saw there's like, there's just a boost that you get from people in the, from people being there. And I'll be very interested to see how that does or does not impact the level of Lakers play when they've got some people in the building for some of these home games that, that can help drive them forward a little bit and, and maybe help in the way that Pete was mentioning this. Just like, yeah, the third seed may be a bit of a pipe dream here, but but that from an optimist perspective, Pete, to, to, to sort of like give them a little bit of extra life down the stretch, even if they're not 100% healthy yet.
2: Oh, I'm so glad you brought this up. There's going to be a huge boost of energy to end this season between the fans coming back, which is something LeBron has talked about a ton and and Mike is as well. We've all seen the effect of that Uh, LeBron and AD coming back the banner being raised and us naturally ramping up for what we're really playing for this season. I think there's this great combination of factors where that thunderstorm that LeBron talked about on IG the other day, I definitely see the the clouds starting to swirl um and and like you said Mike after that Utah stretch uh, and Dallas stretch where we play both teams back to back. We're going to have a much clearer picture, but I'm glad we did this episode where we, cause we see it a little bit better than we did when LeBron went down and we're like, Oh crap, how far are they going to fall? We've got a much better idea. So this is a lot of fun guys. Uh, I hope everybody has a great weekend. You've been listening to Laker film and podcast. We'll catch you guys next time.
1: James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn double team. Just pass out of front broken up by Worthy. Tipped the magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. The lakers win the game the lakers win the game three seconds left that
3: next to the winner it. it's on the way down. Toby bryant 48 points 16 rebounds with his eighth block shot that ties an nba finals
0: record a
3: lot of laker fans okay, sticking so around for
0: this you're seeing something that's very rare indeed a Laker to get MVP chance right, in, in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe,
3: hard to believe. Are you kidding, kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Freddy pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the,
0: the move. Score. Two, one. one. miss it. it. Burn. It's What's over?